Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we are here with Professor Mike Sori in the Department of Earth, Atmospheric, and Planetary Sciences here at Purdue University. And we are excited to learn about some icy, is it planets, moons? Icy yeah, moons? yeah, icy moons yeah. Um, and some other icy bodies. So uh, something that I think a lot of people don't know is a lot of the bodies in the outer solar system are made of ice, a large component of them, like solid H2O, just like ice like we're used to seeing oh, on water Earth. ice. Yeah, yeah, just regular water ice. So, uh, so the way I think of it is I'm a geophysicist, so I think about like the interiors of, of planets and moons. Planets and moons are generally not made of like that many different things. Like the Earth mm -hmm. is basically rock and metal to vastly simplify it. There's uh, a lot of other interesting elements and materials on the surface, which we're very grateful for. But um, m most of it is rock and metal, right? And the moon and Mars and Mercury and Venus are all the same way. But once you get beyond the asteroid belt, the solid bodies have this other thing to play with, which is solid H2O. So the moons of Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus and Neptune, um, solid H2O composes a very large part of their volumes. Now, when you the large, so it's like literally an ice ball, or it's just the 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 ice is on the outside. Yeah, so so more that, but like a big part of the outside. Okay. So it varies from moon to moon, but some moons may be uh, there. There's a couple moons that may be just literally big ice balls. Maybe they're almost completely ice. Tethys is a moon of Saturn that may be an example of that. Uh, but then there are other moons that have solid ice and then a rocky core or a rocky and metal mm -hmm. core in the interior. And the most exciting ones that we usually like to spend a lot of time talking about are moons that have uh, an ocean in between, a liquid water ocean. So cool. some of the, these moons have solid ice, liquid, wa liquid water ocean, and then the rocky interior. And those are usually the ones that we like to, to talk about well, and get us really excited. Work? I know. That's... Cause wait a minute, because it's like, I'm thinking about there's, yeah, how does that yeah. work? <laughs> so it's all uh, it's all heat, it's all temperature, just like we're used to seeing on Earth. Okay. You have ice and you heat it up, it melts right into liquid water. So generally, planets and moons get hotter as you go down into the interior, okay. right? So if you have a planet or a moon where H2O is a big part of what it's made of, mm -hmm. at the surface it's cold, all these bodies are in the outer solar system, so pretty cold at the surface, they're pretty far from the sun. And then as you go down to the interior, it gets warmer and warmer and warmer. And for some of them, not all of them, but some of them, you get warm enough as you go down and you reach the melting point of the H2O ice and you get liquid water. Okay, you kind of blew us both away. Yeah. We're like, you're both starting like, stubborn. I think that's my thing. What? I don't even know how this work. Like, is there, like, that, all right, that threw me off. I yeah. didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, and how do you know? Oh. Yeah, so a few different ways. Um, sort of cross my arm through it. Yeah, no, skepticism is, is good, right? Um, there, there's a few different ways. So uh, one example of a really good way is to look at the magnetic field of a moon. Um, so this has been used especially for the moons of Jupiter, um, especially Europa. Europa is one of these icy moons that we're really, really interested in. Um, 
Europa is traveling through Jupiter's magnetic field and it's experiencing a changing magnetic field. Uh, something we know from physics is that if you have a conductive uh, piece of material and it is uh, experiencing a time varying magnetic field, it will have its own little magnetic field sort of triggered inside of it. Um, we see that at Europa, we see that at Callisto as well, another moon of Jupiter. Uh, and that means that there has to be some conductive layer inside of it that's sort of triggering this extra magnetic field. And for Europa, we think it is uh, an ocean. It is a salty ocean that is very conductive, um, triggers this extra magnetic field. There are some other ways to look for it. Um, first of all, the surface we, we see H2O um, in, in its solid form. That's one thing. Uh, as you, we can also study very precise motions in a moon's orbit around its planet, um, in its movement, in its tilt, all these sorts of orbital parameters. Those can also help us figure out if there's a, an ocean underneath. So if there's water, thing water, and specifically liquid water, what does that What's, what's interesting about that? Yeah, yeah so uh, of course, as, as you might guess, uh, a lot of people like to think if these worlds could be habitable uh -huh. or have life in them or be uh, hospitable to life. So that is one of the big questions that drive uh, what we think about these worlds and how we think about them. Mm -hmm. uh, generally for life, you need a few different things. So to simplify a little bit, you need water, energy, and nutrients. Okay. Um, and some of these worlds may, uh, may meet those criteria, we think. Uh, so the oceans are, are miles and miles under the, the subsurface. Um, how many miles varies from moon to moon. Mm -hmm. But uh, so you, you, there's no photosynthesis, right? There's no there's no yeah. sunlight going through miles of, of the solid ice to the ocean. Uh, but maybe there's energy from the interior of the planet. There's energy from the moon's orbit around their planet. Um, as moons move around a planet, their orbit changes a little bit, it wobbles a little bit, they, um, they sort of get squeezed in and out like a, a little Play-Doh ball as they move around the planet. Um, these are tides, so heating from tide, uh, tidal forces. Um, that may provide energy. They're liquid water oceans, so you, you have the water. Um, so yeah, we think maybe some of those uh, could have some of the, the right ingredients. And I should say, uh, just to, to move back and ask your question, uh, answer your question about um, how do we know these things, I should give a special shout out, I think, to Enceladus. So Enceladus is a moon of Saturn where we literally see in real time geysers shooting out from the south pole of Enceladus, shooting out water vapor, um, some basic other interesting molecules, um, little grains of rock even. Um, so we have one example of an icy moon where the ocean is just spitting out in geysers and, and eruptions. Um, you might see them called jets or plumes. Water vapor from the South Pole. So that is certainly uh, one of the best cases for a moon with a subsurface water ocean. So is that being jettisoned into space? Yes. Or is it it's not forming an atmosphere? It's being jettisoned in, in the space. Yeah, that's a good question. It actually forms one of the rings of Saturn. So one of the rings called the E-ring, which I think it's a coincidence that it's called the E-ring when the moon is called Enceladus. With which starts with an E. Um, but, but the E-ring is, uh, is, is particles and material that is jettisoned from the interior ocean of Enceladus into space. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I remember hearing that years ago that one of the rings was because of a, yep. like a what my understanding was a volcanic eruption or something. Yeah, you might see words really. like cry volcano or ice volcano uh, used to refer to these things. You might sometimes see them called geysers or jets or plumes. There's, there's a few different words out okay. there. Mm -hmm. 
um, yeah, this all comes from the Cassini mission, NASA Cassini mission around Saturn, uh, which is no longer operating. Oh, well, that's a bummer. Why not? Uh, it'll operate it for a very long time. <laughs> Um, I don't want to say the number because I'm going to give you a wrong, but a, about a decade or a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then just ran out, ran out of power. Yeah. Oh, I, so I did a lot of really so great signs, <laughs> don't we all? Now, all right, so I am confused about one thing. Yes. But I'm going to get it home. I put ice in an ice tray. I put it in the freezer. I, it's the bottom one, and we never get to it, right? After a while, it starts to sublimate, and that ice in that tray is smaller and smaller because it's losing. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't these moons, do they sublimate in space? Because I'm thinking, I would think it would just... Yeah, so it's all, it's a great question. So it's all temperature controlled, right? Warmer things sublimate a lot faster than colder ice. So it's all based on temperature. When you get out into the outer solar system, it's just cold enough where that is basically negligible at the surface. Okay. Yeah. But I think you can... Um, you know, this point about temperature and the ice in the fridge, I think, can help us think through and get some intuition for these moons. So one uh, piece of intuition that, that you might have from this example is, like, the colder you get ice, the more rigid and harder it is. Um, and that's what we see on these moons. The, the H2O is so cold once you get out into the outer solar system that it's basically behaving like rock at the surface. Like, okay. ice, solid H2O, ice is the equivalent of rock on the Earth, like ice at Europa or ice at Enceladus, at least at the surface. Okay. And then as you go down, you get warmer and warmer, and the ice gets softer and warmer, and then eventually melts into an ocean. Now, at that point, you're not looking, I want to say you're probably not looking for a life similar to Earth, but life that is different than what we find on Earth. Yeah, so, so far I think the state of the science and the state of the field is we're not like quite at the point of looking for life specifically mm -hmm. in that sense. The state of the field now is we've got a few moons that we are very confident have these liquid water oceans mm -hmm. in them. Um, there are some other moons where it's debatable, uh, where we're less certain, um, and then maybe some other objects where, where we think it doesn't. So it really spans the, the whole range. Um, and again, it really gets back to this point of how hot is the inside of, the, of these moons, right? Um, so I think we're still at the stage of, we've got a few places where uh, we're, we're pretty confident to have oceans. Europa, a moon of Jupiter, and Enceladus, a moon of Saturn, are, are probably the two best examples. There's also Titan, Callisto and Ganymede, those are sort of the five best, but Europa and Enceladus are especially interesting. Um, and I think now we're at the stage of characterizing their oceans, characterizing their ice shells, uh, the ice that's on top of the oceans, as we sometimes call it an ice shell. So one example is how thick is the ice shell? Or in other words, how deep do you have to go into Europa or Enceladus before you hit the liquid water ocean? That is a, a quantity that could be very important, um, but is still debated and unknown for, for these moons. So I think we're still at that stage of characterizing um, the oceans, characterizing the ice shells, characterizing the interiors. Um, we haven't sent like an explicitly life-finding mission to one of these objects, but certainly at some point, yeah. I hope somebody well, will, will do that. Since yeah. kind of done that for Mars now, I assume we'll spread out. Yeah, it, they're, they're great places to look for because, again, liquid water oceans, they've got energy from tides, energy from interior heat, so they're, they're good places to consider. Why are you researching this? Yeah, so 
I just find it really exciting, really interesting. I think you can just learn so much from these objects. Um, I find them to be a little bit underrated almost in, in the public eye. Like I feel like we grow up, or at least I grew up learning about the, the planets yep. um, and a little bit less so about the moons. Uh, but some of these moons, I mean, they're so interesting with their water oceans, uh, lots of other geological processes. Um, some of them have you know, volcanoes you mentioned at mm -hmm. one point. Uh, there's a, a moon with a, its own magnetic field, like Earth has its own magnetic field. Uh, so. These moons are just really fascinating objects, I think, in their, their own right, just like the big planets are. How, how are you getting your data to research this? Where's yeah, so everything I do comes from NASA robotic spacecraft missions. Um, so NASA and, and other space agencies will send these robotic spacecraft to um, various planets and moons in the solar system to collect data from orbit or from flybys. Uh -huh. uh, so some of the big ones for the, the icy moons are Cassini, which orbited um, orbited Saturn and a lot of its moons. Um, Galil NASA's Galileo mission, which orbited Jupiter and took observations of its moons. There are also flybys of more outer, uh, outer solar system objects, so Voyager 2 flew by Uranus and Neptune and its moons. Mm -hmm. uh, New Horizons flew by Pluto. All these objects are, are really interesting too. Uh, the stuff to really look forward to, I think, is there's a couple um, couple missions coming up in the future that should be really exciting. One is Europa Clipper by NASA, mm -hmm. um, and the other is the JUICE mission by the European Space Agency. So these are both going to the Jupiter system, both orbiting Jupiter, studying um, the, the Jupiter moons, um, especially the, the ocean world moons, mm -hmm. um, Europa and Ganymede in particular. So uh, we we're looking forward to that in the 2030s. Oh. So we'll get data back. So that date, that um, technology, I want to say, what's going to be different that you didn't get from the ones that have already went? Is it using a different technology so we can understand a deeper penetration of sensors or yeah. different sensors? What's yeah, going? there's a few things. I think, you know, certainly technology has progressed. Also, just as these missions, as each of these missions go, they, they teach us things we didn't expect to sort of set up the, the ideas for the next one. So it, it's certainly technology is part of it, but it's also, I think, knowing what are the right questions to ask and what are the right goals to set for a mission. Mm -hmm. So Europa Clipper is a great example. This is a, a NASA mission that's gonna orbit Jupiter, fly by, do close fl targeted flybys of Europa dozens of times. Um, and I think now we, we sort of know the, the right questions to ask. We have, we're very confident that there is a liquid water ocean in the subsurface. Um, so now a lot of the instrumentation is about characterizing that ocean um, with, of course, the, the best technology that we currently have. So a good example is there will be a, a, a radar instrument uh, called Reason that will send radar waves, penetrate through the ice, the solid ice. Solid ice, it turns out, is pretty uh, transparent to, to radar waves. Okay. And uh, hopefully those radar waves will, will encounter liquid water and shine up just really brightly in that. So um, that's just one example. There, there are lots of instruments on the mission. Um, great technology, but yeah. yeah. Now, outside of our, our solar system, are we hypothesizing or do we have any kind of data that we would know that there's also liquid water or not like uh, uh, H2O frozen yeah. or otherwise on other planets? Yeah, I think there's no, um, you know, we haven't 
directly detected an exoplanet with a with an ocean moon mm -hmm. like Europa around Jupiter, to my knowledge. But there's no reason to think that they wouldn't exist. All the the processes that we're talking about are things that should be going on, uh, you know, around many other stars. So. Um, the basic idea is if, as you get far enough away from the sun, in the solar system's case, but around any star, when you get far enough away from the star, H2O should be a, an important building block of solid planets and moons. Um, so I would expect these sorts of things to be uh, in, around other stars, around other systems. A lot of the processes that we talked about are should be fairly universal. Tides, tides as moons orbit planets and gain energy from tides that should be going on everywhere in the universe. Um, so yeah, I would, I would expect these sorts of objects to exist elsewhere too. And you said you said something that second time you said energy from tides. Yeah, right. Now, how does a tide work? Yeah, so tides we're used to on Earth a little bit from the oceans yeah. rising mm -hmm. and falling, right? Um, Tides also happen around other moons. They also happen in the solid parts of planets, not just sort of the, the surface yeah. liquid oceans. So the basic idea is a moon is going to orbit a planet, uh, and the bigger the planet is, the more important tides are. So for Jupiter, the moons orbiting Jupiter tides can be very, very important. Um, so let's take the case of Europa, say. Europa orbits Jupiter. Its orbit is not a perfect circle. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of an ellipse. Because of that, it gets closer to Jupiter sometimes, farther from Jupiter, closer, farther, closer, farther, as it goes through its orbit. Um, that changing distance causes Europa to change its shape a little bit. So it sort of squeezes and flexes like a little ball, like a little sort of, you know, those stress balls kind yeah. of thing, yeah. right? So Europa's a giant stress ball. Um, so it's flexing a little bit as it's moving through its orbit. Um, as it's doing that, material is sort of moving past each other and creating friction. And that friction provides heat and it provides energy. That's probably one of the important energy sources that is allowing Europa to remain warm enough in its interior to have this liquid water ocean in the first place. Huh. Wow. I never thought about so, energy from tides. Energy from tides. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I that's... never thought, and it's all, and that's the amount of that tide is determined by the mass of the objects then? Mass of the, the object and also how close it is, how close the moon okay. is to the planet. So take a couple of cases around Jupiter, let's say Europa and Callisto. Europa is pretty close to Jupiter, Callisto is pretty far, so Europa gets more tidal heating from Jupiter than Callisto does. Okay. All right, hey, you called yourself a geophysicist. Yeah, planetary scientist, planetary geophysicist. Well, what's yes. that mean? Yeah, so I, I, I know that's like a, almost <laughs> a weird question to ask. I mean, I think of geophysics as sort of the, the literal version of that word, geo and physics. So what I would describe it is we use techniques based on physics, physics processes like tides, like thinking mm -hmm. about energy and temperature, thinking about how heat transfers through planets. So these, this is all physics, right? Mm -hmm. um, applied to geologic problems around other planets. So uh, I take the sort of very literal definition of that word. Um, so things like thinking how heat th moves through other planets, how magnetic fields are generated in these moons, um, you know, all of that I would, I would qualify as geophysics. Right. I was curious. I've heard the term before, but I've never had somebody actually tell me exactly, I kind of more what it meant. Yeah. I just went off my, in my head what I thought it meant. 
<laughs> that's much well, better than what I thought. Hopefully we were, we were close, right? But yes, yeah. we were. I was close. It made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. This is yeah, it's, it's, it's very me. interesting. Uh, I, Ice Volcano. Yeah. I heard him say it. Yeah. <laughs> ice volcanoes are, are real they're cool right so uh yeah keep an eye in uh six years seven years eight years for for uh more data for me exciting nice thank you for listening to this episode of science from the experts from purdue university superheroes of science if you like this episode subscribe give us a positive view and share the love Boiler up. hammer down <laughs>